Candeland, an American university student studying abroad in southeastern France, went missing on November 29, 2022. His parents are desperate to find out what has happened to him. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm Christy Brower. Here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? Well, it was going <laughs> well. Good. But I just uh, returned home from a grocery shopping trip to Walmart, where I humiliated myself. <laughs> These are my favorite kind of stories, so let's hear it. What'd you do? <laughs> right? Damn it. <laughs> I just tend to kind of zone out. I'm really bad for just really losing track of my surroundings and really, you know, focusing. And just recently I was at a gas station paying and my cousin was literally standing next to me paying and couldn't get my attention for it until the clerk said, excuse me, ma'am, I think that lady's talking to you. And I really, <laughs> this is how I roll sometimes, right? So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I was trying to find an ingredient on the shelf at Walmart and I was really focused on it. And I hear this girl going, hello, hello. Hey! And so I thought, oh God, again, I'm not paying attention. So I turn and look, and she looks somewhat like my niece, only somewhat. <laughs> Who's uh -oh. like a senior in high school. And I go, oh, hey, how are you guys? And she goes straight past me to the people behind me. <laughs> <laughs> my niece and the man with her is definitely not my brother in law, and not people I knew at all. Then I was like, oh. So anyway, about these ingredients. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Both so that times, happened. really, you, you did that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my hell. That's fantastic. I, yeah. I love it. This is, this is why uh, online shopping is a much better option for me. <laughs> <laughs> because then if you get distracted, you just never hit pay. Right? Right. That's and then true. maybe you yes. can rethink your choices before you do hit pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the ingredient I needed was up on a high shelf and I couldn't have reached it in a month of Sundays. And I had to wait until a tall person walked past and ask him to retrieve it for me. Luckily, a couple of college kids came past that were good and tall and nice enough to put, reach up there and hand it to me. So, mm -hmm. you know, here I am just tearing it up at the Walmart. It now. sounds like it. Yeah. I'm There'll be one of this, those posts in that I love life in Rexburg. Uh, Facebook page we love so much, and you're kicked out, so I'd have to see it. But yeah, I got kicked ooh, out. The short lady in aisle 17 in Walmart. I was not talking to you, and that was weird. And why don't you pay better attention? Yeah, because that I is figured... legitimately the kinds of things people post in that oh, weird group. Entirely, yeah, very much. I'm sure when they walked past her and her dad were like, "Do you know that lady? Mm -mm, do you? I don't think so." Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm very sorry. Carry on. That is Fantastic. Well, this is our Wednesday episode. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm, we're going to kick it off with a little bit of the DNA for the win. You've probably all heard by now that the boy in the box case has been somewhat yes. solved. They at least do know who he is now. They do. 
And you probably already heard that his name is Joseph Zarelli. Mm. He died in 1957. That's what you do know. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to tell you about the pretty miraculous thing that happened that led to us knowing that. Oh, please share. It's all because somebody broke up. Well, silver lining, I guess. In 2017, a man named Justin Thomas was doing some online shopping on Amazon and looking for a gift for his girlfriend. So they had one of those ancestry kits for a really good price, which around like Black Friday, Christmas time, you see those for like half off. Right. And so he bought it, thinking that would be a fun gift for her. Well, they broke up before Christmas. <laughs> so he was like, well, what the hell? I guess I'll do it. So he did. And it was kind of fun. He learned more about his family and where they came uh, from before they were in the U.S. And found a lot of families from Italy and lots of family members that still live in Italy. And, you know, it kind of filled in some holes in his family tree that he didn't uh, know anything about. And it was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And then one day, he got a phone call from someone who said they were a forensic genealogist and a cold case liaison, and they were asking for his help, and he was completely floored. Yeah, but. And they told him he was a match for a cold case, but in order to really help identify the family, they needed, or the, the uh, victim, they needed more DNA from the family. Ooh. So he was able to connect them to his mother to get a sample from her. Mm-hmm. He had no idea what the case was or anything. They sure. just gave their DNA happily and uh, went on their way. Well, as it turned out, it was the boy in the box DNA. <sighs> and he said now he's realizing that the family Zarelli uh, was on his family tree in Italy. And so Ooh. they're saying that his mother would have been Zarelli's first cousin. Oh, my God. So, I just thought that was a fascinating story as to how the identity of the boy in the box came to be. It is. It, it does show us, honestly, how important familial DNA and genealogical DNA searches are, are now and, yes. and will continue to be yeah. in, in solving crime. Mm -hmm. I mean, the boy in the box is, if you don't know, is a very famous unsolved murder of a child mm -hmm. and one that you know every true crimer has talked about at one point or another. oh yeah and and for it to for this kid to have a face yeah and have a family and you know to know who he was it that mm -hmm. it's incredible because this case is what like 56 years old or something like that yeah and to think that it's possible yeah. even now to identify him just because his, what, first cousin, second, twice removed or whatever, yeah, happens to do an, an ancestry kit. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Isn't that wild? And in this guy's mm -hmm. case, it wasn't even for him. Then had that breakup <laughs> right. not happened, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And here we are. Pretty that cool. Amazing. Amazing. Well, and, and it's it appears that authorities know a little more than they're saying. Um, because they do still consider this an active investigation. And now that they know mm -hmm. who the victim was, mm -hmm. you know, there, there is some more work being done. That it has not been released. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, 
little Joseph still has siblings who are living. Yes. Which is also amazing mm-hmm. for them to know what happened to their little brother. Yeah. You know, or their big brother or their brother, you know. Their brother. Yeah. That's incredible. Considering that he died in 1957, I think it's mind blowing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So there you go. Well, with mm-hmm. that, I am going to turn the mic over to you for our main case. Yes. So today we're going to talk about a missing persons case that is sort of out of New York, but is really out of a little village in France. So this is Ken Deland Jr. Ken is a university student from New York who has been studying abroad in France. Mm-hmm. And he was um, he's a senior at St. John Fisher University, which is in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. And he's been studying abroad at University of Grenoble in the Alps. Mm-hmm. Grenoble Alps. Um, is what his family is saying. So Ken talked to his parents on the 27th of November of 2022. Yeah. And apparently he talked to them at least every other day, frequently more often. Mm -hmm. And then on November 29th, he left uh, his, his host family. So he's staying with the host family. And he leaves and he's going to go visit. He sounded like he wanted, he's almost done. Like December 17th is the end of his semester. Yeah. Or so he was going to. Well, his visa runs out in in January. In January. Like he's almost done in France. And he decided, he told his parents he wanted to visit Marseille before he Mm -hmm. left. So he just takes off with only just the basics and leaves all of his belongings at the host family's house. Mm Mm-hmm. He just sort of disappears into thin air on the 29th of November. Mm-hmm. Including yeah. his phone charger he left. Yeah. Like he didn't, he also didn't take his train pass, which I thought was odd. Because wouldn't he need to take a train? Right. Say? <laughs> so there's a lot of questions here. Um, this is an image that is believed to be him walking into a store on December 3rd. And his debit card did, in fact, make a purchase in this store on December mm-hmm. 3rd. And there he is. He's got a backpack on. He's got a beanie and a jacket. He's wearing blue pants. Mm-hmm. They're, they're quite sure. Authorities in France are quite sure that that is him. That is the last known sighting of him. His phone mm-hmm. stopped pinging, though, even before that on the 30th, I think, mm-hmm. of November. Yeah. And so he's just gone. Into thin air. Yeah. This is um, a missing persons poster for him. And this is the missing persons report filed with the police, although it's in French. So, you know, if you speak French, you can read this if you don't, (laughs) because I don't. Um, You know, it's very basic. It just says it gives his physical description, Mm -hmm. you know, where he was last seen, those kinds of things. We don't know a lot, but we know a few things. One is that um, when he first 
arrived in France. He seemed a little unprepared to be there, to manage this. This was a big change, you know? Sure, yeah. And he had some trouble making friends. And his parents say that got better later because it's his friends who notified his parents that, hey, he's gone. We can't find him. Mm-hmm. But one of the problems... Well, that he hadn't showed up to school. Yes, yeah, he just stopped coming to class. Mm-hmm. Um, so... He, um, sorry, lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, so his parents kind of were thinking, well, maybe he has made some friends and things are better because people were contacting them concerned about him. Yeah. But he's an adult. And by French law, they don't actually have to tell his parents anything. And they're pretty much not. And they're not. And that's, there's a website uh, called Find Ken Deland, and that's what they're saying, is that they don't get any updates. Yeah. And that they feel that something has occurred here, something nefarious may have occurred. Yeah. Um, but they don't know because the French authorities won't actually tell them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there's a prosecutor in Grenoble who, his name is... Um, Eric Vallant, and he is investigating his disappearance. Yeah. And his parents are just sort of just sitting waiting in New York, which I think is horrifying. Oh. You know? Can you imagine how scary it must be? I can't even imagine. Yeah, I, I can't either. I mean, I can't imagine my son going abroad like that to begin with, Mm-mm. but then to go missing and then you get no information I is ter- is absolutely terrifying. I can't even imagine. Yeah. How scary that must be and how helpless they must feel in any mm. missing, missing person's case, you feel helpless, but when they're in another country, right. The sighting, the sighting is so weird. It is. So he was in a, in a decathlon store in the town of Montelimar, um, that's about 87 miles from Grenoble where he had been staying. And that was on mm-hmm. December 3rd. Uh, he spent a really small amount of money, $8. Like eight bucks. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we know what he bought. His family and those who knew him said that he was behaving totally normal before mm-hmm. he left. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Like, nobody felt like there was anything up. Nobody had that impression. The people that were there with him physically and his parents were like, he was acting totally normal. He was supposed to be headed home on December 15th, which is in two days. Mm -hmm. And they have had no communication at all. Yeah. Well, and the family kind of feels like the the, uh, authorities are like, yeah, 
he had a hard time making friends. So, you know, kind of indicating like, yeah, it's probably a suicide, you know, kind of mm-hmm. the unspoken thing that's being bandied around. And the family's like, it's just, that's just not true. Maybe when he first got there, but he had plenty of friends and was not struggling. Didn't seem to be, he had big plans, big plans of things he was going to do when he got home. Right. They just he was excited for Christmas. Yeah. They feel like this, uh, Maybe isn't being taken all that seriously, but they don't really know because they won't really tell them anything. No. But that's that's the worry is that the authorities in France are just kind of going, yeah, well, you know, some some kid probably went and offed himself and the family just doesn't really feel like that's the case. And honestly, mm-hmm. why would they? You know, I mean, right. Gosh, it's just such a hard situation. Right. So. When they have spoken with French authorities, they have to use an interpreter because they don't speak French. Yeah. And that's been really hard. And then there's, there is a privacy act in France that, uh, pre- you know, prevents the police from really disclosing mm-hmm. anything. Uh, the U.S. Yeah. State Department does know that there is a missing U.S. citizen in France. Yeah. And they said when a U.S. citizen is missing, we work close, <clears throat> excuse me, we work closely with authorities as they carry out their search efforts and we share information with families, however we can. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that they're getting much information either. Yeah. Um, so they do have a, a, a website. It's find Ken Deland. Uh-huh. And some tips have come in apparently through the website that he has shared with the FBI and to the U S embassy in France. Mm-hmm. But he has no idea if anyone's even checking on those things. Yeah. It's it's really rough because it's possible his family will never know what happened to him. Right. Like, what do you do at this point? Okay, here's what I would do. Maybe. I'm not in this position, so it's easy to say. Right. I think if I were them, I might start trying to crowdfund in the U.S. to pay mm-hmm. for a private investigator in France. See, me too. I, I feel like they need somebody on the ground representing them who speaks the language and understands the culture and understands mm-hmm. the laws and the area and knows yeah. people in the area that can maybe kind of start feeding some information to him and or her obviously but yeah. you know that that's in my opinion and maybe they've already considered that or maybe the authorities have said don't do that because it'll piss off the french authorities i don't know but right. I, I hope that uh, they can get some help on the ground in France. And to me, yeah. that's what uh, I would seriously consider as a private investigator there. Yeah. And I, I, I think that a lot of Americans would uh, help crowdfund on that because this is an American citizen that's missing right. abroad. Yeah. He's also a college kid. And a lot of us have college kids and, you know, right. could recognize how terrifying this would be. But yeah, no, I mean, all the hard. love to his family. I just, I can't even imagine Definitely. And we both know because we have 20 something children mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, they lie their asses off to their parents. Oh, yeah. So, you know, are there a lot of things that his parents do not know about what he's been up to and what's been going on with him? Very hundred percent sure yeah. that, that, that there are, mm-hmm. but you know, then you also have the, um, element of this, that he was there as kind of an exchange student he was staying with a host family right and there's that family right Right. and his university Mm -hmm. that are very concerned for him Mm -hmm. and the american institute of foreign study that's who you know sponsors these exchange student kinds of things yeah 
and they're trying to be as helpful to Ken's family as possible mm -hmm. as well. Well, but, I'll bet uh, this doesn't make other kids or other families want to send their kids abroad for school. That's for sure. Right. That's got to be a big concern for them. Yeah. That, you know, if it appears that kids are not safe going through their program, we say kids, he's 22, but you know, right. the you have a 22 kid. year old, yeah. you know, they're a kid. Um, <laughs> Especially the boys. Sorry, boys, but it's true. It's true. It is so true. I know we both have sons. Mm -hmm. You know, mine's a little older now, but has been 22 and yours is 22. Is 22. Yeah. We know. Yeah. Boys are dumb, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to know what could mm -hmm. be going on behind the scenes here. But it's we did want to but, but we didn't I, want to I bring it about, up, you know. Yeah. Well, it, it leads me back to the uh the hashtag that Naomi Arion's family started when she mm -hmm. went missing. And the hashtag, I always keep this uh in my file, is trust the family. Hashtag trust the family, because in Naomi's case and in so many others that we have reported on, the mm -hmm. families know that person's typical behavior. They know what their mental health uh, situation has been in the past. And in True. this case, this family is going, look, we're not trying to be completely obtuse, but suicide just does not seem like our son at all, you know, right. or, or right. just taking off. But man, that sighting at the store just still is really haunting me. It is. Uh, it's really odd. First of all, is it really him? I mean, I guess his family would know that too. I mean, maybe I'm being crazy here, but the way his hat's pulled down low and I don't know. That He's is weird to me. Weird. The same way that he was when he went missing on the 29th. People okay. saw him earlier in the day on the 29th. Right. And yeah. he's wearing the same jacket, beanie, mm -hmm. and pants. All right. Okay, and fine. so, I mean, it's pretty likely that it is him. That it is Where him. has he been in between the 29th right. and the where 3rd? Where the hell is he now? And where is he now? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, his parents do are, I think they're pretty aware of the fact that he's probably not living. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, what's the answer? He's got to be somewhere. Well, and I don't know. I mean, he was off the grid for five days and then was spotted in a store. Could he just be back off the grid some more? Yeah. Right. But the why? Is, why? I mean, he is literally supposed to be flying home. We're recording this on December 13th. He's supposed to fly home on December 15th. Yeah. So where the hell is he? Mm -hmm. Why would he have disappeared right before coming home? There's so right. many questions. But and right before Christmas and mm -hmm. at the end of his semester that he's now currently not finishing, yeah. you know, that he's put in the work and the time in, yeah. none of it tracks, none of it. It doesn't. Something is definitely wrong. Yeah. I. Mm. He's a pre-law and pre-psych major or a psych major. I was, mm -hmm. uh, that was a question I hadn't answered for myself that I just saw uh. here a second ago. So I thought I'd mm -hmm. share that. But anyway, uh, yeah. And what should have just been the adventure of a lifetime, you know, to get to study abroad has now turned into an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it has. Well, we will keep you posted if there are updates in this situation. And we certainly hope for Ken and his family that he's found yeah. safely. And all the love to Ken's family. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. All right. Well, I know it. Uh, Katie's going to wrap us up with some Florida man. Oh. <laughs> Florida man needed to buy some meth. And, 
one does around the holidays, I guess. I don't know. And he was buying it in California. Hmm. So what Seems to Seems like a long drive. What to do? Well, he flew. He flew to California to coordinate the delivery of meth from California hmm. to Florida. What are you going to do? You can't really fly with that, right? Yeah, well, I would not recommend it. I mean, I guess you could have rented a car and driven back with it, but that seems, I don't know. I, I don't know what his specific logistical situation was, but his solution was, well, hell, I'll just box it up and mail it to myself. Oh, good Lord. Why really? not? Yeah. Totally sure that they're not, you know, checking for meth in the mail. Yeah. So this is Ryan Hardy or Jason Hardy, Jason Ryan Hardy. So Jason, yeah. So he, he thought, he thought that it would be safe to just pack it up and send it to himself. So it was 18 pounds of meth. Oh my God. Yeah. Talking not, a, about, not a little ooh, bit. Trafficking mm -hmm. meth. Got it. So, oh yeah. Packed up his big old box and it was very weird to the post office in California to receive a package to Jason Hardy, from Jason Hardy, and the return address and the shipping address were the exact same on the package. <laughs> this is not genius level crimes here. Uh, no, it is not. So they thought that made this a suspicious package. And if the post office thinks that your package is suspicious, they can open it. And this was suspicious because of that fact that why are you shipping something from California to Florida? with these addresses like this just doesn't track right mm -hmm. so they did go ahead and open it up and oh gosh just 18 pounds of meth inside I mean, oh, excuse me good lord <laughs> yeah so uh in the meantime uh jason flies back to florida and his package didn't show up so <laughs> did check his tracking number i mean Oh, no. So so Karen called the delivery service to demand to know where his package was. <laughs> well, of course he did. Well, he didn't insure it, obviously. <laughs> so on the phone, he confirmed his identity, uh, first name, email, address, phone number. And that, uh, you know, quickly led to the police showing up at his house. Oh, yeah. And there you go. So uh, don't do that. Because that's real stupid. He was actually it's just true. sentenced for it. So he was sentenced to 10 years. Oh, 18 pounds of meth is a lot. If only criminals could all be this dumb. Right? Truly. It would make life them off right and left. You know, nope, you can't do that. And you were over here. Better stop doing that. And I know it would be make things a lot easier. But uh, Jason's going to have a good long time out to think about what he's done. And that seems like probably the best thing for him. Yeah, it may take him a while to figure it out. And the U.S. Postal Service. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. Okay. Well, well there you uh, have thanks it. for that. <laughs> I, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know it. This is our Wednesday episode. We will be back Wednesday night with our uh, case updates show. It is at 7 p.m. Mountain. It is live streamed to YouTube and our Facebook group. We are uh, the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. 
Take care.